Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Luke chapter 19, and we'll begin with the first verse. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. He sought to see Jesus who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. So he ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up, he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Notice the word must, I must abide. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they, meaning the people, saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. And today I can got a good view of the clock I am going to preach to you on this subject is his mission still my mission is his mission still my mission God bless you You may be seated thank you first we need to know what a publican is said he was that Zacchaeus was the chief the chief the top dog of the publicans. A publican is a tax collector for the Romans. So the, and, he, and he is a Jew, but he's a tax collector for the Romans. The tax collectors, it was believed by the Jews, were paid a very poor wage. And that the way that they made their money was to cheat the people on the taxes, and then they would pocket the money, whatever they could. So the Jews looked at the publicans as thieves and traitors. Traitors to their own nation in serving the Romans, and thieves in taking more money than they were entitled to. Yet Jesus, out of all the people that he passes by that day, must stop for the chief sinner, the chief publican. Why is it that God seems to to choose the worst of the lot? Why would he choose a persecutor like Saul of Tarsus, an angry man who can't control his temper like Peter, or even a betrayer like Judas? Why does he take the time to invest in people that we wouldn't have anything to do with? It's because he sees potential in every one of us. He doesn't just see what we are. He sees what we can be. He gives us his holy word. He overflows us with his Holy Spirit, and he changes us from an unholy 
to a holy people. He proves that he can take the worst of the lot so that there isn't anybody left out of the lot that can be saved by him. If we continue with the story in verse eight, it says, so Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods, 50% of everything I take in, I give it to the poor. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore it to him fourfold. Was he lying? I don't think he was. Jesus didn't say you're a liar. He was telling the truth. You see, Zacchaeus was falsely accused. He knew how to get the blessing of God on his life. If he did wrong, he restored fourfold. Sorry, I made a mistake in your tax statement. The difference I'm gonna give to you four times over. The poor, you're gonna get 50% of my income. Who in this congregation would like to stand up and say, I give 50% of everything that comes into my household to the poor. And if I discover I've done something wrong, I'll pay it back four times as much. He's talking about his good works here. And he is not renounced by the Lord. So it must have been true. But Jesus ignored that and said, this day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he is the son of Abraham. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I brought salvation to your house today, Zacchaeus, because that's my mission. That's my purpose. So in spite of the fact that you give 50% to the poor and you restore fourfold, you still are in need of salvation. And I've come to your house to do just that. The mission of Jesus Christ uh, and, and hear me out before you reject me, was not to heal the sick, not to feed the multitudes, not to show his power over diseases. That was not his primary purpose. His purpose is to seek, to find everybody he can that's lost and bring salvation to their house. That means not just them, but every member of your family. Every member of your family. That is his purpose. All those other things are benefits. And they get, they get you to pay attention to him. But don't mistake what his mission is. To seek and save that which is loss. Do you remember how he saved you? Do you remember the first time you ever stepped under the, into a church as crazy as this one and you felt God's presence and you heard somebody preach and you thought, well, my friend must have told him I'm coming today because he's preaching right at me. No, that wasn't it. It was God. It was God drawing you to his house. It was God blessing you with his presence. It was God speaking to you through even a man, an imperfect one at that but getting a message of salvation to your life. 
because that's still his mission. And when you experience that, when you came to an altar and repented of the way that you'd been living, when you renounced you and announced him, he heard your repentance and he forgave you. He led you to the new birth experience of his word. You saw perhaps for the first time that when people wanted to have their sins remitted or washed away, that they were taken to a river or a lake and that they were immersed in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins and you partook. And then you realized that there was still an emptiness inside of your life that although you had a desire to do what was right and live for God, you didn't have the power. But God filled you with the Holy Ghost and you began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave you the utterance. And you had not only an emptiness through repentance and a washing through baptism, but now you had the infilling of God himself in your life and you felt empowered and you were able to do things that you didn't think you'd ever be able to do. You overcame sins that you'd never been able to overcome in your entire life through the new birth experience because salvation came to your house. Amen. It was his mission. Yes. And now it became your mission. Now you said, freely I have received, freely I should give. And you went around opening your big mouth to anybody that would listen. Hey, let me tell you what the Lord's done for me. Let me tell you about the mercy of God. Let me tell you what it's like to be in the presence of God. Let me tell you what it's like to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You went to every relative and friend you could find. You weren't afraid to talk to anybody at work. You were a fireball. Sometimes you were a Bible thumper. Sometimes you didn't always speak with wisdom, but you always spoke because you had a boldness. And his mission was burdened in your heart. You didn't have to even be trained. You were birthed with a burden. And his mission became your mission. You sat in Bible studies. You went to fellowship meetings. You did everything you could to get around the people of God. I want to be perfectly clear why I'm here today. I am here to wake up a sleeping church. I believe that the world and Satan is behind it has tried to rock the church to sleep. Well, you know what? I got mine. Whew. Come Lord Jesus, I don't care how bad the world gets because I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I don't care. But we better be careful about what we say. I don't care. We better care. We need to care about other people. We may not be able to change the world, but we should be out to help change one soul. One soul. I'm here to wake up a sleeping church. Matthew chapter 25, verse one. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins. Virgins are pe people that keep themselves pure for the one that they're going to marry. 
They were all pure. They took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. Verse five, when the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Rockabye baby in the treetops. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock and we're being rocked to sleep. Now let me share this with you. This is what the Lord has really laid on my heart. We fall asleep through distractions. We are distracted. Matthew chapter 13 talks about the soil. 13 and 22 reads this way, the third soil. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world. I don't know about you, but I care about some things. I like some things. They may not even be bad things. But if I care about them more than about Christ, if my happiness comes from the world and not from being used of God, then something's wrong. I have fallen back and I am moving in the wrong direction. The cares of this world and making money. That's what it said. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. Do you know what that means? He once was fruitful. But not anymore. We've cooled off. We've got between the sheets and we're comfortable. And we got ours. And God's still taking care of us. And we have been distracted. Another thing that's happened to us is good things have overcome great things. Take a look at Luke chapter 14. A certain man made a great supper. This is verse 16 of Luke 14. And he bade many. Of course, the good man is the Lord. He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground and I need to go and see it. Hey, I'm in here. I don't know about you, but I'm in here. About, oh, over 20 years ago, my, my wife had, had a sister who has since passed, but uh, the parents decided that they wanted this piece of property that they had up in Crandon. They wanted it to stay in the family, so they offered an incredible price. To make a long story short, we ended up with a piece of property with a house and everything on a lake for $30,000. Everything included, $30,000. And that was divided two ways. So it was only $15,000 a piece for two families to have a house on a lake in Crandon, Wisconsin. And I love going up there. And I can go up there and my cell phone doesn't work. I have to go to town if I want to talk to anybody on the phone. You're going to get that out west. That's a great feeling to be free from your phone. 
And I get some of the most incredible messages from God while I'm up there because I have no distractions whatsoever. But I will never move to Crandon, Wisconsin. It will never be my home. It's a place that I go and visit. This is my home. This is where I wanna be, but I sure like going up there. And that's the first excuse here. I can get too involved in that and go overboard with it. Okay, here it says, I bought a piece of ground and I need to go and see it. Is it gonna disappear? Will it not be there tomorrow? Have me excused. So he goes to the next one. I bought five yoke of oxen. I go and prove them. What does that mean? I have a job. My oxen need to work the field. I need to teach them how to plow. Is it wrong to have a job? Is it wrong to have a place that you can go and vacation? I don't think so. So have me excused because I got to work. I can remember a time. I can remember a time when people would not work on a church night. Wednesday nights, oh, can't do it. Why not? I go to church on Wednesday night. I can remember a time. But the job got in the way. The job wasn't the problem. The priority was the problem. The priority of the job got too high. The priority of the vacation place got too high. So have me excused. And then there's the third guy. I married a wife. And my wife doesn't want me to come. Now I've got relationships that put pressure on me. Starting with my spouse. My spouse didn't want to come to church on Sunday morning, so we stayed home. Is it, is it a bad thing to be married? Is it a bad thing to have a job? Is it a bad thing to, to have a place that you like to go to vacation and to relax? Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I think it's a good thing to have a wife or a husband. Thank God you got a job and the Lord uses that job to provide for your family. You got a place you can go on vacation and enjoy some time with your friends or family, go for it. But when it comes before God, good things have replaced great things. There's a priority problem. Boy, it's quiet in here. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things and the master of the house got angry and said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets. I've got a mission. This is your job. This is what I want you to do. Go into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. If I can't get people that are healthy to come, I'll get the sick. The servant said, Lord, it's done as you commanded and there's still room. And the Lord said to the servant, well then go into the highways and the hedges and Get into the woods. Find the rednecks and the hillbillies. Invite anybody you can that my house may be filled. Are you hearing what the Lord is saying? My mission is to reach everyone and anyone, no matter where they live, 
no matter what their conditions are, no matter what their status is in life. Invite everybody, not just the ones that look good and pretty and you think would fit in nice with your congregation. Get everybody, get anybody. Find them, compel them, bring them. I'm gonna step out on a limb here. I wanna see some people in here that don't look like us. And I want them to feel welcome. And I want them to be hugged and embraced. And I want them to feel special. Man, they come in here, give them a big old bear hug. Man, am I glad you're here today. Is his mission still my mission? Do I still feel the same way about souls that I once did? For I say unto you, verse 24, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. We'll find somebody that will. We'll find somebody that wants to be with me. We'll find somebody that wants to be at the table. Go find them. I want you to know we can all be replaced. And we're finding that out. And I know I could be replaced. So can you, but I'm not, Brother Manus, I'm not letting a stone take my place. No stone is taking my place. We need to be worshipers. We need to be soul winners. We need to care about other people. We need to stop focusing on the church and start focusing on the world. We need to reach everybody in it with an invitation from Jesus himself. Brother Kyle, I've been looking around this here church and we got us some problems. And we got some hypocrites and we got some murmurers and we got some complainers. That's the problem. We're looking inward when we should be looking outward. We're looking at what's in it for us when we should be looking to bring them in to the kingdom. We've lost our focus. We've lost our burden. We've fallen asleep. We're thinking about only us. I want meteor preaching. You need milk until you can feed somebody else. You need to be in a home Bible study if you can't teach one. My pastor told me that. I was offended at first. He said, you ready to teach a home Bible study? Well, Brother Tamil, I don't think I quite know enough. Then he said, stay in. Finally, I got so sick of listening to other people talk about it, I decided I could do it just as good as them, and I have. And you can too. Get in a home Bible study. Bring somebody to a home Bible study. If you can't teach it, Brother Mitchell will teach it. Brother Coral will teach it. You'll teach it. There's plenty of people around here that will teach it. My mission still his mission. I want to give you an illustration today. Vince Lombardi took over a very bad football franchise called the Green Bay Packers. They were not good. And this is what he did. He came into the room as the new head coach of the Packers and he stood up and said, This is a football. He made sure everybody saw it. And they went, 
<laughs> he said, you guys need to understand that we are going back to the basics and back to the fundamentals. You are going to get in shape physically or you're going to be throwing up every day. And he would run those guys and work them physically till they got in shape. And then he said, you guys need to understand this. If we can't block and we can't tackle, we can't win. You think it's about passing and running the football. It's not. If you can't control the line of scrimmage, then our running backs don't have any holes and our quarterback doesn't have any time and we're going to lose. And if you can't tackle our opponents, they're going to score all the time. So we're going back to the basics. Here I am. I'm no Lombardi, but I'm the coach. And I'm saying to you on September the 7th, we are going back to the basics and back to the fundamentals of our faith. Yes. We're going to wake up. We're going to accept our mission. Yes. We're going to be one team. Yes. Amen. We're going to work together. We're going to know our place in the body. And the only glory belongs to Jesus Christ and not to the team, right? That's the way it needs to be. To God be the glory. This is a Bible. We live by this. We believe this is the inspired, unadulterated word of God. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will not change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. This is the playbook. This is the playbook. And I, I'm going to be really bold with you today. I, you need to take this with you everywhere. Keep one in your car. Don't come to church without a Bible. How do you know the guy's not lying to you? Say, well, I got it on my, on my iPhone. Okay, I guess I'm just going to have to live with that. You're more technical than I am. But have a Bible when you come to church. Follow along. Make sure that you're hearing the unadulterated word of God. Do you know Lombardi told his rookies that they were to take their playbook to bed with them and sleep with it? They were to read it until they fell asleep and then when they got up in the morning, they were to start reading it again because if you don't know where you're supposed to be on any given play, you're gonna mess it up for the whole bunch of us. Get to know your playbook and find your place in the body. Find your place in the body. We are a team with one purpose. 
And so I, again, just as I stated at the beginning of the year, believe that every one of us needs at least one ministry. What's your ministry? What is it that God's called you to do? Only you can answer that. There are two kinds of sins. I can't mention them. I don't have the time. I'm I'm just about out of time, and and I want to make sure that I'm strong in what I say, and I don't water down a message that is meant to be powerful. There are two kinds of sins. The kind we commit and the kind we omit. To him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, James said, it is sin. If we know what God has called us to do and we don't do it, that is a sin. It is a sin of omission. You want proof? He comes to people with talents. What'd you do with the 10 I gave you? I increased them by 10. What'd you do with the five I gave you? I increased them by five. Well done, you good and faithful servants. What'd you do with the one talent I gave you? Everybody has at least one ministry. Can I get an amen? Amen. You have at least one talent. You have at least one ministry. What'd you do with the one talent I gave you? I put it under my bed. And I went to bed and took a nap. I wanted to be sure I didn't lose it. I didn't use it, but I didn't lose it. And the Lord rebuked him and took his talent from him and gave it to the one with 10 and then cast him into outer darkness just because he didn't do what he was supposed to do with the one talent that he was given. I'm waking up a sleeping church today. I'm calling us out. And I'm saying, what is our mission? What is our purpose? Why are we here? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And if we've got the Holy Ghost down in our soul, then that's our mission. And that's our purpose as well. When I came into the church, let's stand together. When I came into the church, sports was my God. I admit it. I played ball three nights a week. Loved every minute of it. Wished I could have played more. I could have played ball every night of the week. Loved it. When I came into the church, I found something greater than the good that I thought I had. See, I could justify playing ball. What's wrong with playing ball? I wasn't drinking. I wasn't cheating on my wife. I wasn't doing anything wrong. Just playing ball, right? What's wrong with playing ball? Well, it's wrong if you neglect your marriage. When I came into the church and I found something greater than playing ball, They said, I said, how, you know, I came on a Sunday. I said, how, uh, how many times do you come to church? Oh, we come to church three times a week. Three. I'm used to coming once for an hour. Oh, no, no, we, we love going to church. Man, sometimes we have revivals. Revivals are six nights a week. Six nights a week. 
Why? Well, because we've got to have one night off to do the wash. It was just a completely different way of thinking. It was a complete change in life style. My life was now being styled after Christ. I saw it right away. I'm no idiot. I might not be smart, but I'm not an idiot. And I said, well, if I'm going to go to church three times a week, I can't play ball three nights a week. So I quit. I went to church every Wednesday night before I even had the Holy Ghost. I went to church every Sunday morning. I went to church every Sunday night. I sat in Bible study at least one night a week. Even on the weekends, I was getting together and fellowshipping with other people in the church. We had TV then, but I just enjoyed being with the people of God. Where are we, church? Where are we, church? What are we doing during the week? I can't go to church on Wednesday night. I work. I work a job. And the Lord says, tell them to come on Wednesday night. And they say, oh, I can't, Lord. I got to prove my oxen. Do you know that we have two services on Sunday in this church? We used to have a Sunday night service. You say, well, you're backslidden. No, no, no. Let's just hear me out. We still have two church services on Sunday. We have a family Bible study at 9.15 every Sunday morning. Very, very poorly attended. We have a Wednesday night service at 7 o'clock. Very poorly attended. I'm glad for you being here at 10 o'clock or thereabouts. But what happened to when you first came into the church? Have you fallen asleep? Have you fallen asleep? What are you doing, Brother Kylie? I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. I'm trying to wake up a sleeping church. Not a sinful church. Not a backslidden church. Not an evil church. I, I'm just trying to work, wake up a sleeping church. Is his mission still my mission? What do you want from me, Brother Kylie? I'll tell you exactly what I want. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be involved. I want you to be sacrificial. I want you to care about the people that are in the world like you care about the people in the church. We are not a cult. We are not an exclusive members only club. We are the church of the living God sent to the highways and the byways, the thickets and the woods, everywhere, anywhere, anyone. Let's go get them, but let's be faithful. If we can make a commitment to the world like we do to sports, do you know that a football game lasts three and a half hours? I wonder if the Lord ever gets jealous of the amount of time that we'll watch football and complain about the amount of time we spend in church.
is his mission. Still my mission. Jesus, wake us today. Wake us from our distractions, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches. Make us fruitful again. Help us not. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.